0: The Truth News Network. A president leaves 300,000 guns on the ground to be picked up by the Taliban and then lectures us on the responsibility of gun ownership? Of course, this is the same man signing bills into law denying the biology of sex, confusing the right to decide which bathroom to use, stating anyone who doesn't agree is a terrorist and should be red-flagged into oblivion? Clearly someone needs a good, strong shot of the truth. Good thing we're here. We're TNN, Truth News Network. And here's Dan Newman.
1: We're here. We're Truth News Network. I want to welcome you to today. um, I'm just trying to figure out how to put this when I talk about the show today. I think it's uh, obvious that uh, you and I, fellow Americans, we face some really big mountains in our nation today. I wouldn't have thought that anybody would be able to push our government so far down than we've seen happen in the last 22 months. (laughs) It's happened. And just when you think it can't get worse, well, it gets worse. What can we as American people do? That's a conundrum that we all must face. And I gotta be honest with you, we have two choices. We can turn our backs and run or ignore it, Or we can lower our shoulders and jump right into the fray and do our part to make things right. Now, that may seem like a tough comparison to make and say these are the only choices we have. But listen closely what I'm about to tell you. These are the only two choices we have. We either get in the game or we walk away and ignore it and have no say-so because we've given no input into what's going on, what we think needs to change, and doing our part to make a change. Now, yesterday, we got a story that went up late. We talked about it on the top of the show. It's an offering by Kelly Nelson, and she using historical facts full of footnotes and hyperlinks for verification of references to draw a parallel from Germany in the 1930s and 1940 and the United States today. And the comparison is at the top of both of those governments, Nazism versus Bidenism. And I think if you haven't re- I'm positive, if you haven't read that story yet, you need to read it. I, uh, I published a footnote at the very top of it in red ink in italics just so everybody can understand what I think is so important, especially about this story that Kelly Nelson wrote yesterday. And then there's a story posted this morning from Robert Mercola, who's a guest contributor here at TNN Live. Dr. Mercola has been just excoriated by a lot of leftist mainstream media, social media because of his being out in front on all things to do with COVID-19 and other critical health issues. And the story he posts today is probably just as critical as the story we published yesterday written by Kelly Nelson. Make sure that every day, if, you, if you're not getting notification of these new stories, it's probably because you've not subscribed on the front page. Now, a subscription means nothing in the way of money, obligation whatsoever. It's there for one purpose and one purpose only. Every time a new story goes up on truthnewsnet.org, early the next morning, in fact, 1.45 a.m. the next morning, everybody that's subscribed will get an email link. And contained in the link uh, to the email is the specific link to that brand new story. So you don't have to go and dig to try to find a story every day. And if you don't want to see it, you don't have to see it. But if you do, it just makes it easier for you. I suggest that every day, at some point in the morning, lunchtime, whenever you can get away from your busy schedule for just a few minutes... Click on that email link you got overnight from us and take a look at that article or those articles. Yesterday, there happened to be two. So where do we go from here today? It's Tuesday, and for whatever period of time, we don't know yet because we haven't gotten there, our correspondent, our own photojournalist, investigative journalist, Steve Baker, is in Washington, D.C. this week. And you probably heard about it. In fact, if you read the Epoch Times and Brightboard News and Fox News, you heard the news about it. One of the Oath Keepers is being um, tried for his purported offenses on January 6th. And Steve Baker is involved in that trial. So he's in court every day as long as it lasts. So what does that mean about him coming on TNN Live? In our 10 o'clock hour, 10 o'clock sharp, as a matter of fact, well, he's going to step out of the courtroom into the hallway and share a few minutes with us right at 10 o'clock top of the second hour, just to give us an update on details of this trial. Now, you might say, look, we can, we can just, we can just go watch some TV news reports. They're going to have it. Let me, let me just tell you this. And I think those of you who have been around, you know I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I believe we have lots of problems in our government, but I believe we have lots of good in our government. What we're trying to do here is get the actual balance between the two and not from what someone in the media tells us, but finding out for ourselves what's going on. And my consensus after doing this for so many years is... I better go check facts out for myself because I'm not guaranteed that I'm going to get the truth when it comes to media. And I'm talking about every media outlet. They're all subject to opinions. They're all subject to pressure from the top and their organizations and all of that to maybe change the tenor of a story just a little bit. I don't need that. I don't want that. I'm a big boy. Yeah, I'm a big boy. (laughs) I'm 6'1", and I weigh somewhere between 250 and 280, and I am a big boy. But that has nothing to do with this. It doesn't matter who you are, what your life is like. It's important for all of us to know what's going on around us. So I encourage you to avail yourself of all of the information pieces that are out there that you have access to to get information about what's going on. Now, we're going to have Steve probably the first 10 to 15 minutes. It's the second hour. Steve Baker will be with us. I want to make sure that we don't miss any of the big stories and the big news today. And one that just slipped out yesterday, and I have scoured news media, and I can't find any source that's covering it but one. Millions of federal dollars are continuing to flow into that organization, EcoHealth, EcoHealth Alliance. Now, what is that? You remember that name? It kept coming up in the COVID-19, the pandemic stuff. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the source of COVID-19 being that laboratory in Wuhan, China. EcoHealth is the funnel organization between the National Institutes of Health, of which, guess who, is at the top. Dr. Anthony Fauci. Now, his title is not the boss, but you can book your bippy. He is the boss there. He's the one that decides where the money goes that comes through the NIH and grants. Tens of millions of dollars flowed through the National Institutes of Health indirectly to the Wuhan Laboratory in China, but all of those grants went through EcoHealth Alliance. Now, it, EcoHealth Alliance, has been and is and should be under heavy scrutiny for the fact that it's just funneling money. That's all it's doing to that laboratory in China. And we found out on September 21st, the NIH issued three more grants to EcoHealth this year, a few weeks ago. This time, they get $2.76 million, and the funding marks an increase of nearly 700000 from the award they got last year. It's the largest sum the organization has received from the NIH in a single year. Why is that? Well, the grants of two of which have received NIH funding for three consecutive years came amid mounting congressional scrutiny over EcoHealth's year-long partnership with that laboratory. And it's been the center of a lab leak theory on the origins of COVID-19. Two of the grant projects, headed by Peter Dazek, who is the head of EcoHealth Alliance. And Daszak has repeatedly dismissed any of those lab leak hypotheses, labeling it a conspiracy theory. They have funded very risky research by the Wuhan Institute of Virology and that should mean that the U.S. authorities should stop funding the organization. A lot of people feel that way. Giving taxpayer money to EcoHealth to study pandemic preventions is like paying a suspected arsonist to conduct fire safety inspections. You would think we have learned a lesson about that for the first time, but here we are again with the same plot, but a bigger budget this time. That's from Senator Joni Ernst, Republican from Iowa. It's interesting. It is very interesting. That comes on the heels of yesterday. We reported Dr. Fauci and his wife's income since pandemic COVID-19 even began in that time period. Their collective wealth has doubled. What does that mean, Dan? Did he do anything? (laughs) Uh, I forget who made the statement first or where I heard it, but anytime you have questions about anything that just seems a little off, what do you do? You follow the money. Follow the money. Well, all eyes still are going to be on Florida, devastating Hurricane Ion. Ian. And it's now without having all of the situation examined and everybody knowing everything that's going on, it looks like it's going to be the worst hurricane in history. Now they had two and a half million people out of power. Believe it or not, by yesterday morning linemen have restored power for roughly two million. So there's only three only three to four, five hundred thousand people left. Waiting for power. Prior to the storm, Governor DeSantis there assured that tens of thousands of these electric linemen were ready to restore power when the inevitable occurred. Hurricane Ian is making landfall now. Remember this Florida response is ready. We have fleets of highway vehicles 42,000 linemen, 7,000 National Guardsmen, 179 aircraft prepared to help. That was on Wednesday. And then every one of those people got engaged in just the right time and averted, it could have been been way more than 2.5 million people. What that tells me is they already had their infrastructure really put in place because if you know anything about that part of Florida, it's not very high in elevation and there's not a lot of rolling hills. When a hurricane or some other storm comes across there, There's very little to stop it, and especially those folks that live on the water. Southwest Florida hasn't gotten a hurricane, a bad hurricane, in a number of years. And then the first one they get is one of the worst. And, of course, in the middle of all of this, because Ron DeSantis is a Republican, and because he is computed to be the lead candidate for presidency on the Republican ticket, In a couple of years, that would be unless Donald Trump makes a decision to run. But even if that happens, I can pretty much bet you that somewhere down the line, the next eight to 12 years, Ron DeSantis will be president of the United States, not Gavin Newsom, not Gavin Newsom. And why is that? When people outside of California start looking at the actions of both of these men, DeSantis, Gavin Newsom, in the prism of getting things done within the law, leading the entity that they're involved in, Newsom leading the biggest, most populated state in the U.S., California, DeSantis, close behind in Florida. When you start piling up the accomplishments for the people of each state, between those two governors, I can tell you this, DeSantis' pile of achievements for the Floridian people, even before Hurricane Ian, far outweighs those of Gavin Newsom. Now, that would be, of course, if you looked at the factual accomplishments of both and what their accomplishments have done for their people. If you just talk about spending a lot of money, throwing a lot of money at a lot of things that don't need all that money, they need management. If that doesn't bother you, Hey, Gavin Newsom's your guy, but if you want true accomplishments in a state that has no personal income tax and it's leading in every good financial economic category there is, and it wasn't that way before DeSantis became governor. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Well, have you heard the latest on this ongoing thing with Stacey Abrams? You remember her? African American woman who ran against Brian Kern, is it Brian Kern? I believe Brian Kemp in Georgia for governor several years ago. And she lost the race, never has conceded that she lost. And she that night began to scream and holler racism, 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 and election fraud, manipulation, everything you could imagine. Well, in the wake of all of that, A federal judge has sided with the state of Georgia in a lawsuit filed by a group associated with Stacey Abrams, and that lawsuit challenges the constitutionality of Georgia's election practices. Although Georgia's election system is not perfect, the challenged practices violate neither the Constitution nor the Voting Rights Act of 1965. That's according to U.S. District Judge Steve Jones, who, by the way, is an Obama appointee. And District Judge Jones wrote that, referring to the Voting Rights Act of 65, He detailed why he came to the ruling that he came to in a 288-page order that sided against Abrams' Fair Fight Georgia group in a lawsuit filed four years ago, right after that gubernatorial election, alleging voter suppression and racial dim- discrimination. And she lost narrowly to Governor Brian Kemp. Kemp was Georgia's Secretary of State when the lawsuit was filed. He applauded the ruling as a victory against an attempt by Abrams to weaponize the legal system. Judge Jones' ruling exposes this legal effort for what it really is, a tool wielded by a politician hoping to wrongfully weaponize the legal system to further her own political goals. Now, that's from the governor referencing that lawsuit. That it went his way, obviously. I just want to touch on that for one moment. We'll move on quickly. Americans, and I can say this, I don't know every American, I, I, I don't own, uh, know a million Americans, but significantly, I know a large number of people that are tired of politicians picking up anything that may be controversial, that there may be differing opinions, maybe even on political sides. Every time something happens in the public sphere that is controversial, it seems like politicians just run to it and grab it, and they throw it in their quiver of arrows on their back that they walk around with, and at the strategic time, that doesn't have anything to do necessarily with the factual basis of what they put in that arrow. All that matters, it's an arrow that I can use against my opponent. And I know that's not a a partisan thing. Republicans do it as well but I think you will agree the arrows that are used to shoot against their political opponents. I'm talking about Democrats number far more than those coming from the other side. There is dissent. There is back and forth, but almost every time, especially when it's someone like Stacey Abrams, who is not a leader. She's not a politician. She served in the Georgia legislation But she has literally, and talked about it, she has the White House in her sights. She really thinks and wants to run to be the first African-American president. And so she uses everything she can pick up off the ground when she's walking down the street if she thinks it's going to be good for her politically, and she finds a way to use it, which is exactly what this lawsuit was. And obviously... If this judge was going to be biased one way or the other because of who appointed him, I would think he would lean towards Abrams, but he made it very clear that Abrams' organization is in left field when it comes to this. Now, let me give you an example real quickly of what our government is doing that is scaring millions of people together, this guy being one of those. When agents are hired in the FBI FBI, or any of our intelligence agencies, they go through rigorous training before they're ever determined to get the shot to apply to become an FBI agent. Physical, mental, finding out what their biases are, especially in politics, and can they get over those to just do what the FBI is supposed to do. And, of course, you would think every one of them that's been hired They're non-biased. They're non-partisan, especially when it comes to political matters. But guess what came out yesterday? The FBI is revoking security clearances of some of their agents. And you know those whistleblowers that had come forward? The FBI is now going after them. Now, what are they doing? They, the FBI, are revoking the security clearances of conservative agents. Republicans in both the House and the Senate have alleged widespread politicized misconduct in the FBI, most notably by a Washington, D.C. agent who investigated Hunter Biden. We gave you, when Timothy Tebow came before a congressional hearing, we played some of that hearing for you. He resigned in August rather than face a certain internal review that was going to make him look kind of bad. Senator Chuck Grassley, the ranking member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, has said a number of times whistleblowers have approached his office to talk about some internal misconduct at the FBI and in the investigations into Donald Trump. The FBI is cracking down now on suspected whistleblowers in response of that. Republican Representatives Jim Jordan of Ohio, Dara Ice of California, Mike Johnson from here in Louisiana. They alleged all this in a letter to FBI Executive Assistant Director Jennifer Lee Moore. Moore signed many clearance revocation orders and retaliated against at least one whistleblower. Now, what does this have to do with anything? These are the little things, the little foxes, destroy the crop, little foxes. When a farmer's got animals that are going after his crops, it's usually the little bitty ones, specifically birds, that he has to keep away from his crops. Foxes are different animals. They're little, they're sneaky, and they're simply just blazing fast. And so when they go out and they typically don't do things like this on their own, and it doesn't happen much now. Farmers figure out a way and have a long time ago to protect their crops. But a fox can go through it and just take a piece of stuff here, a piece of stuff that's growing here, a piece over there, and it spoils it. It's the little things, folks. And when we hear about this kind of story, ah, you know, So there are some employees that got their hair on fire. They got mad at a boss or something like that. And they're looking for a way to make a buck because sometimes whistleblowers get paid whistleblower fees. And they're probably either going to leave the FBI or they want to leave the FBI, but they're feeling like, you know, I'm scared. I don't want retribution against me. But when they step forward and they bring actual Negative information, truthfully documented information about their employer. That, by the way, is the FBI that you and I, we own, we operate, and we pay all those people there. So I would think if something's going wrong, we'd know about it. Wouldn't you? Well, that's not exactly the way it's happening right now. But anyway, they're going after. They're going after these FBI conservative whistleblowers, which is also against the law. It's just crazy to think this is happening, but it is happening. Now, Christopher Wray, the FBI director, he was not there. He's not like Jim Comey and uh, Mueller were. They were at the top, they were FBI directors, each of them, for years and years and years, Mueller for decades. Christopher Ray's only been there about two and a half years, but he came from the Department of Justice, another division of the Department of Justice, and he became the FBI director. He, on his watch, has made some calls that are very, very sketchy, and we've covered those here as those have happened. But this FBI and this Department of Justice are completely weaponized at the top levels of management. And all these things we hear about that we find at TNN Live and Truth News Network that we bring to you every day, negative news about the DOJ and the FBI, just think about this. All that stuff's been going on behind our backs for years. I don't know how far back, but I know Robert Mueller was evil I know that he filled his pockets full of all kind of money. Just go do a little research online about Robert Mueller and his career at the top of some of the most unbelievable corporations after he was FBI director. And he goes to these corporations and makes millions of dollars because he, because of his former position at DOJ, he has access. And these big corporations, they're looking for ways to get to the decision makers in our government so all they want, give us a chance and oh, by the way, if you'll do that and keep us straight with the U.S. government we want you to stay on as some kind of titled contributor but all we're paying you for is who you know and access to them that is everywhere in the FBI now And I know this for a fact from talking with Congressman Mike Johnson. He's one that co signed that letter. He said they can't get anything. Now, this is the House of Representatives, the US House of Representatives. These are the people that oversee every department of the government and have the constitutional responsibility. It's called oversight. Now, it's not just one department, it's not just one group, one committee. It's the whole of the government, but they're broken up into different committees, and all of these committees do their thing in investigating different parts of our government, and what they're doing, and is it right, is it legal, should they not be, all those kinds of things, and then it all comes back together, and Congress conducts the oversight. But when the FBI, and we've heard it over and over and over again, they refuse through Freedom of Information Act, petitions that are filed legally. They refuse to turn over documents that constitutionally they are obligated to turn over. And they know that most people aren't gonna go spend all the money to sue the government, sue the FBI, but there are groups out there, not-for-profits, that do it and have been doing it for a long time. And it's very expensive And it takes a long time. And when these documents eventually show up, if there's serious information in them, it'll all be redacted. They'll go as far as they can. The FBI or the DOJ, other department will go as far as they can to hide it unless and until another petition is filed. And that petition goes to a judge that says, hey, FBI, you've got to unredact some of these. Send the whole thing to me. And I'll make a formal judicial opinion about what parts can be released and what can't be released. So they make, purposely, the process of exposure, of showing everything. They make it so difficult that most people just throw up their hands and walk away. And that's the expected results. Everybody knows if you get in a war with the IRS... They're going to win the war at some price. They may not get all that they come after you for, but they're going to win every battle. And if you come up with a settlement, you have to sign stating that this settlement doesn't actually portray the top line. This is a negotiated settlement rather than move forward with litigation. You think doing that business with the IRS is tough? Try to get in business just try to get in business fighting the FBI or others in the Department of Justice. It's just impossible to do. In just a few moments, you're going to hear Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan, congressman from Ohio. And the Democrats have just decided they're going to give the Department of Justice a whole bunch more money. Wait till you hear what Jim Jordan has to say about that. He's up next.
2: When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. Gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners. Nervous? Oh, blaze. Brings back so many good memories. Remember our road trip in 97? Still the one I to. Our first real heart to heart.
3: I've never seen any of your movies! Not even the one through together!
2: Hey, do you remember when that stalker kidnapped us? Yes, Lay's was there. Blaze. Do you have a barbecue or a cheddar Hill Kimio? Oh, remember when we stumbled into that turf war? <laughs> remember when you bought your first house? Hi. Ah! Hey, I'm Seth! Those are good times. They were golden. You ready? Seth, do you? I do. And Janet, do you? Yeah. That's a yes.
4: I know I should quit smoking, but it's just... <sighs> My
0: feet and hands are numb a lot. Walking to the bathroom gets me winded.
4: <coughs> I cough all the time. Seriously? <sighs> I've been dying to quit. Don't wait till you're dying to call. When your health is worse, it will be too late. 1-866-QUIT-YES. The Illinois Department of Public Health and the American Lung Association in Illinois. Quityes.org.
0: He's got the inside scoop on what's really happening in D.C. TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's Dan.
1: Now, do you like me, do you ever listen to what the news media are saying as we get close to an election like we are now? Five weeks away from Election Day. You realize that. Put it on your calendar. When the media starts looking at the landscape of elections, actual elections that are already underway with mail-in balloting, absentee balloting, by the way, when they look at all of that, the mainstream media, I don't really care if anybody believes or agrees with me on what I'm about to say, but the mainstream media are an official arm of the Democrat Party. Nobody can credibly make an argument that says they're not. So that way, we as Americans, we know that. The ones of us that accept that or will look at what we see that they say something is, only to later find out, in many cases, it's exactly opposite of what they portray. They're not doing that on their own, the mainstream media. They like to call themselves the legacy media. I would never want that name. I would want to be considered to be out on the front of getting the facts and giving those facts to the American people, but that's just them. They're politically in the pockets of Democrats. So they're the ones out there. They have the biggest megaphones. They have more media outlets. And, of course, many in those outlets fall all the time. Individuals get canned. And why did they get canned? You do realize that in media the only thing counts if it's written Is it, what's the circulation of that magazine or that newspaper? If it's internet, how many people have subscribed? We want to get up and we want to beat the 12 million mark. 12 million. (laughs) That's a lot of people watching your internet show, isn't it? And then of course broadcast, it's ratings, television and radio. All of that, when the numbers look good, you've got a basis for your sales department to go out, raise your prices, and everybody wants to have you in their advertising scheme pretty much easier to get that when all of those numbers go up. And so sometimes the truth doesn't make ratings good. And so what does the media have to do? What's their job? They have to present Each individual important thing that the American people are talking about, and what are those things today? Abortion. But that's not even on the top three anymore. Up at the top is inflation. Inflation. And what's happening in our society where everybody's seeing our government doing more, being more intrusive, and we're losing control. Everyday Americans are losing control and we never have enough money to spend anymore. The numbers that they come up with, you know, every month or so they hear the average family because of inflation, by inflation, is going to have to pay fifty five hundred dollars more this year to get the exact same stuff you got last year. Well, that number when the first when it first started was less than fifteen hundred dollars. Do you have fifty five hundred extra dollars this year that you didn't have last year? I hope you do. But even if you do, do you want to spend it on groceries, gasoline, a hotel room, eating out more than you paid last year, not because you got better service or got more distance out of your gas, but just because inflation, inflation, made it go up. Now he's not in this solo, but we could sit here and talk for the rest of the hour and 43 minutes of this show and talk about everything and it as it pertains to Biden inflation actions he took Well, we're not going to do that you know it so we have to be careful when we get to the election cycle we need to hold those who give us news accountable how do we do that we don't watch them we don't read them we don't listen to them we find places that we can trust there aren't many out there and by the way I personally am a lifetime journalist, journalism major in college. That doesn't make me an expert, but I have, even before that, but especially after college, I start looking at both sides and examining what is real and what is not. And pretty much there's always a a or an end with any report that comes out. Legacy media will report it this way. Conservative media comes out and reports it another way. Somewhere in between, typically, you can always find it. But you got to go look at it. you got to go find it. So in election time, they're shoving it down our throat. How much have you heard that shows national media, even conservative, the generic Congress ticket? In other words, you throw all the parties in there and all the seats that are open in the Senate, And then every seat in the House of Representatives, you look at it, you look at the candidates and you come up with, you think this party can take control or what about this party taking control? And the consensus has been for months. The ticket, generic ticket, the generic ballot in the midterm shows Democrats, they may hold their leads in the House and in the Senate. It's looking more and more likely. Where do they get that information? And how in the heck can a legacy media outlet determine how 330 million voters are going to vote? Well, there aren't that many voters, but their family members, whatever. But they do it, don't they? Some of the key states that everybody's watching closely, Nevada, Arizona, Michigan... Wisconsin, of course, Georgia, and then, of course, the lightning rod, Pennsylvania. And in every one of those cases, every one of those places, we're told, we've been being told for months and months and months, Democrats are going to do it. Democrats are going to do it. Well, West comes out now, Republican candidates in Nevada for the U.S. Senate, for governor, attorney general, and secretary of state are increasing their leads In Nevada, did you hear that? doesn't say, hey, they they slipped by, they're in the lead. No, they're increasing their leads in Nevada per a brand new poll released yesterday. In statewide races, those GOP members are leading Democrat incumbents by at least 2% each. Those leads come after months and months of polling behind Democrats by several percentage points reflecting a shift toward Republican candidates as economic concerns, immigration, and abortion dominate the midterm elections. Broken down, and I'll just do this quickly, in the Senate race, former Attorney General Adam Laxalt leading incumbent Democrat Senator Catherine Cortez Masto by two. Laxalt, since August, has overtaken Masto in every major poll holds a steady lead between 1 and 4%. In the governor's race in Nevada, GOP candidate Joe Lombardo is leading incumbent Democrat Governor Steve Sisolak by 3%. Lombardo, sheriff of Clark County, which encompasses Las Vegas, has overtaken Sisolak after the independence poll in April showed him losing by as much as 9%. He's in the lead. The poll said he was down as much as 9%. State attorney general race, big shift. Republican candidate Siegel Chata, leading incumbent Democrat attorney General Aaron Ford, 39 to 37 percent. Chata is an Israeli immigrant and attorney, has never been in government, now leads after a Suffolk University poll in August showed her losing by 5 percent. Nevada Secretary of State, a lot of controversy there for GOP candidate Jim Marchant's claims that the 2020 election had irregularities. The gap between the two, him and the Democrat, Cisco Aguilar, Merchant, now leads Aguilar by 8%. That's up from 4% in August. And then what about on a national level? The latest Monmouth University poll released on Monday shows there's been a massive 10-point swing from August to September in favor of Republicans controlling Congress after the midterms. I won't even go into the details of that poll. Monmouth is another credible, recognized, pretty much right on all the time. Ah, eh, they get it right, but sometimes they get the wins and losers right, but sometimes they miss the, the margins of victory. But the trends are there. So what does that mean? make sure you go vote if you haven't already and like my uh, laughable close friend said here's your voting advice vote early and vote often (laughs) don't do that don't try to do that I don't want to get a phone call to post some bail well I guess you could do it in New York City some of the other big cities nationwide you don't have to post any bail anymore and there's another reason why Republicans should feel a little better today. There's a crease in the line. What are you talking about, Dan? Republicans should seize this opportunity to pull off a comeback of the midterm season. I'm talking about Pennsylvania. It's been the most daunting task facing Republicans there could possibly be. Replacing outgoing incumbent Republican Senator Pat Toomey. Now, Pat's been there in a state that's been very difficult for the Republicans to win. The last the time that the Keystone State voted Republican in a presidential election was 2016. It was 1988 before that, and 2010 was the last time a gubernatorial race in Pennsylvania happened. The collar counties around Philadelphia and Allegheny County, Pittsburgh, they have farmed a mini blue wall inside the state. During this summer... It looked like the Democrat candidate, Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, who, by the way, suffered a severe stroke during the primary, he was going to run away with the Senate race. After weeks of ads hammering his asinine criminal justice agenda, you know what he wants? He wants to empty one-third of all Pennsylvania jails. He wants to abolish life sentences for murderers. When the facts all come out, his Advantage over Dr. Oz, his opponent as a Republican. Fetterman's advantage has decrated massively. It's now a virtual tie between Fetterman and Republican Dr. Oz. In Wisconsin, Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes' soft on crime agenda has come back to haunt, which has led to a Republican surge in the polls there. Incumbent Republican Senator Ron Johnson. In Wisconsin, now has a solid four-point lead. He was losing by six at one time. Some Democrat candidates this year won't even debate their opponents, like Katie Hobbs in Arizona. So, it's looking good, and I'm very hesitant to even say that, but it's looking good for most Republicans in the midterm races. But there are no sure things. Polls aren't sure things. They go talk to people. And what these pollsters come up with, their findings that they, you know, they can actually change the results of one of those polls that they do, or surveys, they call it. They're on the telephone with voters, would-be voters, likely voters. And you can change what a person responds with just by inflection of the way the question is asked And of course, the verbiage, the language in the question that's asked. And these people are professionals. There are pollsters that lean one way politically. Another pollster will lean the other way. Why is that? They all have to make money, folks. (laughs) And money comes by getting results. Now, do all these pollsters, do they win? Everybody doesn't think the same. No, they don't win. But you know what? They always come up with reasons, factual reasons. Oh, it was because of this and this and this. We got it all right. It just began to change when people inside these parties started doing things. We're not the guilty parties. And that's usually accepted because every election cycle, the pollsters are back. I don't know if this will ever stop.
0: Real Truth. Real News. TNN. The Truth News Network. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the
3: Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the...
2: By the Home Depot, new wood floors, new paint on the walls.
3: Sure, you know us for that. But how about a new dining room table, matching chairs, bar stools? How about free and flexible delivery with easy online returns? Now you can explore decor in a whole new way. Save now on furniture. Everything for your home. Everything from HomeDepot.com. How doers get more done. U.S. only valid through September 7th. Limitations apply.
1: times have you been to a high school or college football game? They like to do it more in basketball games. Have you heard this song? (laughs) Everybody recognizes it. And this is the song. What you've heard already is all there is. But what it does, it makes you get up and shake a little bit. makes you dance. This thing was hot back in the late 70s. (laughs) Uh, It was the coolest thing, and it has survived. I still hear it playing now at major college football games. Well, let's get right back to it. Steve Baker will be with us in about 11 minutes. He's going to step outside of the courthouse in a a trial that's going on against one of the Oath Keepers about the January 6th stuff. He's going to step out and spend a few minutes with us. But I, I I apologize. I told you we were going to listen to Jim Jordan blasting Democrats that are giving more money to the Department of Justice now. And I think the tenor of what you'll hear is it really doesn't matter what the Republicans say. Democrats always say, oh, we want bipartisan participation in this bill. But those evil Republicans, they never listen to us.
3: Uh, uh, thank you, Madam Speaker. Concentrated political power... That's what the DOJ is doing right now. They're weaponizing the Department of Justice against the American people. The most concentrated political power, awesome power you can have is the federal government. And I would argue the agency within the federal government that's the most dangerous is the Department of Justice. And we're going to give them $140 million more over the next five years. It's amazing. I, I, again, Mr. Cicilline can say what he wants, Madam Chair. But... That's not consistent with what the chairman said. The chairman said this, this is going to give more resources to antitrust enforcement. Here's what, the, here's what the Democrats' own committee report said. Quote, the updated fee structure would provide the U.S. Department of Justice and the Federal Trade Commission with additional resources. So either Mr. Cicilline is completely wrong or the majority report's wrong or the chairman's wrong, somebody's wrong. We know what's going to happen. This is the same old game we hear all the time oh, it's not really appropriate, but we're charging more money. It's going to result in more money coming to the concentrated political power at the Justice Department, but it's really not going to go there because it's got to go through. Give me a break. We know where it's going. They've even said it in their own darn uh, committee report.
1: He's after control to be congressional-wide. He doesn't like the fact that this kind of money in light of what we all know is happening with the DOJ. We told you, we give you specifics about what they're doing to conservative agents in the DOJ. They're firing them. They're either firing them or they downgrade all of their uh, responsibilities and obligations, basically making them toothless. Follow the money, folks. We've always said that. Follow the money. Nancy Pelosi when we're talking about the elections. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. I don't know what world she lives in. I have no clue. I guess I should know what to expect. She's from San Francisco. That means she's an elitist. She and her husband make tens of millions of dollars. She has enhanced their trove of assets. I can't even estimate what they are. I've told you some of Paul Pelosi's commercial real estate deals that Nancy opened the door for specifically. They are so evil. They really are evil. The U.S. Congress years ago, they passed a rule in the Congress and they call that rule the Pelosi rule. What it was, what it was about. It was a rule. It's not a law, but it prevented sitting members of Congress from trading Stocks while they're in office. Everybody listening that agrees with that, raise your hand. My hand is high in the air. And there is, by the way, a bill that has been presented to be heard in the Congress, the House of Representatives, which would do just that. It would make it illegal for members of Congress to trade stock in any way while they're in office, to get away from what we know is quid pro quo stuff that happens all the time. That's the way in in most parts. That's the way some people, many people, you got 535 people in Congress, 435 in the House, 100 in the Senate. Not all of them are multimillionaires when they get elected. But I tell you this, every one of them are multimillionaires when they leave Congress. So anyway, I, I threw that in for, Grins. This looks like there's a good chance this will be Nancy Pelosi's last speaker of the House position, but it looks, and it's pretty obvious, that the House is going to go across the aisle. The control will go to Republicans. But yesterday, she made a very bold prediction about these midterm elections. She was appearing on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert last night. She sat down for an interview before... You can bet it was an enthusiastic audience. Speaker wore a pink suit with pink high heels and had a pin on her lapel that featured an American and a Ukrainian flag. And she and Colbert were talking about the midterm elections. Listen to what the speaker said. She said, I believe that we Democrats will hold the House. She said that as the audience roared with applause. Now, that may not have been true audience applause. Studio audience broadcasts are known to be seeded with audience reactions. Just thought I'd throw that in. She continued and said, we will hold the House by winning more seats. We won the 40 seats. Then we lost some when Trump was on the ballot. We lost some on the Trump districts. But we held enough seats to hold the House with him on the ballot. And he's not on the ballot now. So after she mentioned Trump, Pelosi feigned an apology about uttering his name to the audience. Oh, did I say his name? I didn't mean to, she said, while holding her hand to her chest. We'll have the videotapes fumigated, Colbert offered. Perhaps you can can bleep that out, she added. It's a family show, Colbert said, before pressing Pelosi about why she's so confident about the midterms. And she had this long response. She cited backlash from January 6th, the overturning of Roe v. Wade as part of the reason why Democrats are totally ready. The greatest influx of candidates came forward after January 6th, young people, people of color, people of different generations, different backgrounds, and the rest. The beautiful diversity of America came forward They didn't pay attention to those pundits who said, you can't win. When Roe v. Wade came down, boom, we were totally ready. And that just caused a whole different attitude on the part of some about whether we could win. So after she offered her reasoning, Colbert mentioned she sounded like she was talking in past tense. If you don't mind me pointing that out, we still got more than a month to go. The polls still aren't reflecting necessarily what you're saying the host said she clarified that she meant when people decided to run she said she is watching each of the midterm races in a very cold-blooded way to see where democrats can win and increase their numbers of course she had to throw in some praise for president biden as a great president said she's proud of his performance isn't it interesting to hear that in the context of what we're hearing in a bunch of other places a bunch of other places that totally disagree with that. In another hearing that was going on, you heard Jim Jordan in the Congress, the House of Representatives hearing. Josh Hawley, Josh Hawley got into it. I mean, literally got into it in a hearing with former Missioner governor and now the head of the energy department for Joe Biden, Jennifer Granholm. And Hawley's talking about, what the government is doing to reduce the price of gasoline. Now this morning, gas in California is back up to six fifty a gallon. And if you haven't filled up the last few days, it's gone up exponentially in percentages from where it was in your city last week. It's gone up every week. And that's in spite of Joe Biden emptying our strategic oil reserves, which we need when there's a thing like, a Hurricane Ian, and most of that reserve oil, he has sold it purportedly to bring down the price of oil, price of gas here. Well, six million barrels of that he sold to China, one of our political opponents, our number one political opponent on the globe. Only reason I can come up for him doing that is quid pro quo. And the Biden family, I'm pretty certain they have some quid pro or quo with china (laughs) he certainly didn't do it to lower the price of gas at the pump over here gas and oil in china doesn't have anything to do with that but that's that's another story granholm is singularly charged to take care of everything in her department energy regarding the american people holly went off on her
5: my question from January to August, the price of gasoline was up over 30%. In my state alone, it has been a continuous, a continuous upward tick since then. And here's what your president did when he first came to office. He immediately re-entered the Paris Climate Accord. He canceled the Keystone Pipeline. He halted leasing programs in Anwar. He issued a 60-day halt on all new oil and gas leases and drilling permits on federal lands and waters. That's nationwide. That accounts by the way for 25% of US oil production. He directed federal agencies to eliminate all supports for fossil fuels. He imposed new regulations on oil and gas and methane emissions. Those were all just in the first few days are you telling me that's had no effect I'm on our energy supply
4: 94 percent of the oil and gas executives that were surveyed by the dallas fed said that administration policies had nothing to do with the increase in the price of oil i'm not Therefore, interested the in of opinions gasoline. of
5: these people i'm interested Those in the, are the facts are you are telling me no that, these that, telling you no that these policies had no effect is that your testimony that these policies had no effect are telling you, you, you telling me madam secretary are you telling me under oath that these policies had no effect.
4: I'm telling you, that 94% of the oil and gas industry... I'm not interested in their that opinion. That I'm interested no in the facts. So, no, they did not ask That is Vladimir a
5: remarkable Putin statement.
4: ...about the increase in demand and the decrease in supply from pulling Russian barrels of oil off the market, thanks to, rightly, the United States saying we're not going to take Russian oil. Coming out of COVID... So what explains the
5: increase between January and August coming of 2021? Coming
4: out of COVID... Coming out of COVID, there was an increase in demand because people were driving again. When there was no demand, the prices dropped. That is a basic law of economics. The prices dropped. I have
5: to say, Madam Secretary, with all due respect, your answers are insulting. And they are insulting to the people of Missouri who are looking for action. Now, you said two months ago your department was on war footing. What are you doing to bring down the price of gasoline? which has been price going gasoline, up consistently since you took office.
4: The price of gasoline is derived from the price of oil. The price of oil is at $110 a barrel. What penny, are you doing to decrease it? It is a my question on market, sir. If you could let me finish.
5: If you would because answer my question.
4: I am answering your question, sir. Oil is traded on a global market. We are paying extremely high prices today, just as they are in Japan. What are you doing to just get it down? Just as they are in Germany. Just as they are in South Africa. What are you Africa doing to get it down? We are calling for an increase in supply. We are releasing a million barrels a day from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to try to balance Who out supply demand. Who are you getting a for an in increase in supply It is supply the largest from. tool that we have to be Who able to do that. Who are you calling Our for allies an increase in supply from?
5: Secretary,
3: Excuse me. Uh, Senator Hawley, your time's expired.
4: Could
5: I get an answer to this question, Uh, Mr. Chairman? Who are you calling for an increase in supply from?
4: From our domestic oil and gas manufacturers, from international oil and gas manufacturers. Even as you cancel their
2: leases? Senator Hawley, if you want to answer, you have to allow the Secretary to answer.
4: I have said we have called repeatedly for increases in supply from domestic oil and gas manufacturers from international oil and gas manufacturers. We want to increase supply, and that is why the President released an unprecedented amount from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, and our international allies also released from their reserves to try to balance out supply and demand while the oil and gas companies increase supply. And the, international, excuse me, the Energy Information Administration has projected that they will have increased, in the United States, about a million barrels a day by the end of this year. That's Secretary
1: Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm. And the one question Senator Hawley demanded that she answer is what has she do- done? What is she doing as Secretary of the Energy Department to bring gas prices down? Well, on the phone with us now from Washington, D.C., where he, he just he's a globetrotter. We talked to him in D.C., North Carolina, then Houston, and now he's back in D.C., <laughs> If you didn't get that, I don't know if you could hear what was being broadcast there but Jennifer Granholm she says to fix the price of gasoline, we've got to get domestic oil producers to produce more oil. And the conundrum there. Yeah, the conundrum there for me and you're from Louisiana too, so you know how oil and gas is. Um 25% of the production of oil comes from the sector of leases that this Biden administration has taken away from those domestic producers. And Holly asked her about that. Of course, she avoided it. But let's get on to your business, <laughs> my brother. Um, yeah, man. You're in this Oath Keepers trial. And please, if you would explain to our listeners exactly what that is and who's involved.
6: Well, in this particular trial, obviously, it's January 6th related. And there's
5: five
6: of the uh, Oath Keepers that are actually being uh, prosecuted at the moment. Uh, There's another trial of Oath Keepers that will take place probably mid to late November before it begins. But this is the big one because this includes in the five the founder of the Oath Keepers, uh, Stuart Rhodes. Additionally, this is the trial where Nancy Pelosi would like to get five uh, notches in her gun belt before the midterm elections. So that's what's hanging in the balance here right now. Not just the guilt or innocence of these five individuals, but uh, the political ramifications.
1: I hadn't even thought about that, but you're right. That would be another reason for having it and pushing it right now.
6: That's exactly why. And and that is exactly why Judge Meta has dismissed every single motion by the uh, defense teams for additional continuance so that they can get all of the evidence uh, gathered that they need. Because, Dan, the 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 amount of discovery that's available, much of it exculpatory from the government it's just not even been handed over yet yet the trial is uh, taking place at this very moment
1: well far be it from an obligation for the government uh, to hand over any information they don't want the defendants attorneys to have access to I mean they are they are the government they can do whatever they want to do
6: And, and unfortunately that's exactly what they're doing it is about I would say twenty to one in the in the first two days of the trial, or day or day and a half, of objections for the defense that are being overruled as opposed to being sustained by the judge. And then of course every other motion that they presented uh, is, is being overruled by the judge.
1: Have you gotten in the in the trial, have they yet gotten into the meat of what they're after these five, four?
6: Well, they're, they're developing the case right now with uh, FBI Special Agent Michael Palian, who is presenting all of the um, private chat messages between the Oath Keepers uh, on, on the Signal chat platform, uh, GoToMeeting platform, as well as others, showing that there was a conspiracy to essentially overthrow the government. But the interesting part about this, Dan is that all of the signal chats and other messaging chats and this alleged conspiracy planning is all taking place before the January 6th rally was even announced, scheduled, or that they even knew about it.
1: Does that come out on the trial yet?
6: Oh, yes, it's happening right now. And, And, of course... It'll be a long time before the uh, defense gets their crack at, at, at Palin here, because I, I suspect he'll be on the stand for two full days. Oh, my gosh. And then yeah, and then once they, uh, the defense gets a crack at him, the interesting aspect of this trial, because there's five different defendants with their own legal teams each, all five guys get a crack at, at cross-examination. That's why this trial is going to last six to eight weeks.
1: Wow, are you going to be there six to eight weeks? Yeah,
6: I'm going to be here the whole time.
1: Oh my goodness! Well, um, I've got some good friends there that I could put you on, and even some relatives there that you might get a free meal out of.
6: <laughs> well, I tell you what, free meal would be great. I, I got a I got a fantastic free meal last night at the uh, at the Capitol uh, Grill, uh, just a block you know from the Capitol building.
1: Oh, I've been there many times.
6: Yeah, yeah, it was it was fantastic. I expected to, uh, or that the meal would cost me an arm and two legs before I got out of there. And fortunately, I was eating with all of these defense attorneys, and um, one of them picked up the bill for the entire table. So that was awesome. <laughs> I uh,
1: I can testify that you weren't expecting that because you texted me about that. Remember what you said? Are you there? Did I lose you? Did Steve? I lose you, Dan? Are you you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. I'm back. Okay. Okay. Uh, I said uh, you were a little bit concerned about the meal because I know that you texted me. You said learning curve day today. This was yesterday. Following first day of trial at dinner with all the defense attorneys right now (laughs) in in parentheses. Going to cost me an arm and two legs, but the chatter is worth it.
0: Yes. So somebody else picked
1: up the tab. That's a good thing.
6: Yeah, that was that was a, a, a welcome uh, thing to happen for a guy that's. It's, well, it's expensive to be in DC at any time, as you know.
1: Absolutely. Well, what are they specifically trying to get to happen right now when they're in there? What's the end goal for what he is charged with that they're looking to get him for?
6: Uh, well, if we're talking about um, Stuart Rhodes himself, yes. as the founder of the Oak Keepers. They're, they're trying to obviously nail them with the idea that they committed seditious conspiracy, which is the largest uh, charge of, of the dozen or so charges that are actually on the docket here.
1: Seditious but, sounds really sinister. What is that?
6: Well, <laughs> interestingly, it goes all the way back to the early 1800s. Um, and even though the law has been on the books for 200 years, more than 200 years, no American citizen has ever been convicted of seditious conspiracy. It never happened, and uh, they reach deep for this one and to hang it on the oath keepers. But the, the 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 interesting thing that that the defense has to their advantage is about ninety percent of the FBI's evidence against them and accusations, Dan, are total lies. And they're going to be able to prove it the video
1: will the judge allow the video in
6: man um we hope so uh i i don't think that he can get by with allowing the edited short clips that the fbi is presenting and not allow the full context of where those short clips are pulled from.
1: Well, you do and, know,
6: and you, the yeah, the, the defense are chomping at the bit to show the the entire
1: context. And and if it's not allowed, I thought about this. You told me about them being concerned about it being allowed because the FBI has a very edited version of everything. Yes. Uh, if they go that route, and the judge says no to the defense. All any of the defendants need to do is make a few phone calls, and the real stuff will be all over the network news that will make this judge look like he's in somebody's pocket. So I agree with you. He's probably going to have to let it in.
6: Yeah, I I think that most of that he's going to have to. The one thing that he is desperately trying to avoid, though, is the mounting and accumulated evidence that the defense attorneys have of the so called unindicted co
1: conspirators,
6: or as they might refer to them as the confidential human sources of government agencies themselves.
1: Those wonderful unnamed sources and uh, people that want to go on record but do not want to be revealed their identity. You know, we hear that all the time. I don't know about you, but especially in a case like this, when a guy's life, the rest of his life, is on the balance here i would think that anything and everything that comes from a outside witness somebody not in the fbi or not in the oath keepers would have to come forward with their identities revealed i think there's a there's a level of charges allegations made against an american citizen where they really deserve to face their uh, those that have come out against them criminally made charges in court against them. I think they should be able to know who it is and their attorney should be able to cross examine.
6: Absolutely. In fact, I was uh, actually role playing with one of the attorneys this morning at breakfast about his potential cross examine of special agent, Alien, And one of the things that I was most concerned about with what he wanted to bring uh up to the special agent is this information about uh unnamed individuals that were in the crowd around the uh, keepers that were acting as agents provocateur and i said i said to the attorney i said the only thing i can hear is coming back from the lead uh prosecutor is objection your honor objection Your Honor. i said you're just going to get one objection after the other and unfortunately, this judge is obviously in the pocket of the government, so I expect that he'll accommodate the prosecution at every turn.
1: Well, let's wrap this up with your—what What will be the likely um, sentence if uh, this guy is convicted of seditious conspiracy? What are the charges? What are the um, the ramifications, the sentencing guidelines? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah.
6: Well, the prosecution is— asking for life imprisonment and uh, gotta remember that there's five guys in this round and they all have varying degrees of alleged culpability in the conspiracy now they're all charged with seditious conspiracy but obviously you have to look at the leader as probably getting the most severe citizens uh, sentence all the way down to uh least participating guy which is uh a Floridian by the name of Ken Harrelson and, and his name hardly even comes up in any of the uh, prosecution's evidence as presented up at this point. So uh, somebody like that, if he's convicted, I mean, he could get 10 to 20 years.
1: Well, that doesn't sound so bad, but put it in context. Who among us wants, yeah. wants to spend 10 or 20 years in a caboose? I don't care how nice it is and how much golf you can play. If you're in jail, right. you're in jail. Yeah, and especially and more specifically. Yeah, it, yeah but more
6: specifically when you're talking about a guy like Ken Harrison, who literally did nothing.
1: Yeah,
6: was not involved in any of the pre-planning at all, and he's sitting in, you know, the DC gulag for the last eighteen months, denied the right to visit his family, denied many other civil liberties and protections by the Constitution and Bill of Rights. And he's sitting there, charged with a crime that the prosecution is asking the the court to imprison him for the rest of his life.
1: Well, of course, if it's the court doing it, Steve, I mean they're they're the government. They have all the evidence. Yeah. They have all the evidence. Yeah. Uh, what what happened to that uh, guarantee in the Constitution to a speedy trial? Eighteen months he's been sitting there yeah. in jail. Yeah, how, did, this, how did they get away with that? Problem.
6: Well. There's, there's a couple of reasons that they've gotten away with it. For one thing, is if you don't release the 14,000 hours of video evidence, what do you expect? Uh, it's it's going to take that long at least for the defense to uh, build their case. Wow. Because they have to wait on the evidence.
1: And, of course, it all on the other side, the, uh, uh, the government side for this thing, It has to be done within the parameters of just before the midterm elections, so it'll get the most television coverage when these guys being hooked up in jail for 18 months. Nobody is talking about that on TV. That's not a good story, and nobody wants to say anything ugly against the DOJ. That's right. Well, are you going to be there for the duration? I'm going to be here for as long as it takes. Well, you know, we're scheduled every Tuesday, but if you get a hot thing that happens in the court, I don't care when it is, give me a call. Our people want to know about it. I can't tell you how our our listenership on Tuesday in the second hour has gone up because people are really worried about the Department of Justice and all the stuff it seems like comes out a little bit more every day of their evil, what they're doing and clamping down on the American people. I would think if I was... Merrick Garland, I wouldn't want any of this being put out in the public because none exactly. of it makes them look good.
6: Well, I'm actually sitting in the media room today. I was in the actual courtroom yesterday, but I've, I've transferred to the media room so that I can report on this in real time and not have to step out because you can't use any electronic devices in the courtroom. Sure. In the media room, I've got my laptop and I'm, I'm free to you know move about the country. <laughs> but the point being is, is that uh, everyone listening right now can follow my commentary in real time on Twitter. And my Twitter handle is TPC4USA, at TPC4USA. And um, every day at the end of the day, they can follow my uh, local's community account and get a, a comprehensive overview of what happens over the entire day. And that's, uh, the pragmatic constitutionalist.locals.com.
1: We've got the, all of that on our website that they can go to too. Well, buddy. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, being there and being with us. And if you get anything that's really critical, give me a jingle and we'll go live whenever that happens.
6: Absolutely. And please send me that, uh, addresses for that free food.
1: <laughs> hey, it's not free. Somebody's going to pay for it. And the fact that they're in D.C., it'll probably be you and me paying for it anyway, right?
6: That's, that's exactly right. Cause everybody here is on the dole.
1: Be safe, buddy. Thank you, Dan. Steve Baker. What a guy. He's a photojournalist, an investigative reporter, and uh, he's in the fray. He's right in the middle of the evilest part of the world, Washington, D.C., and he's covering a trial of one of those evil keepers been in jail already for 18 months
0: wow always get the truth on TNN the truth news network find it exclusively at truthnewsnet.org Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy you have a lot of tools tools for everything you've done around the house but there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's, the new home of way.
6: You love chocolate.
3: Mmm, chocolate.
6: You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate, so you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more.
7: Huh?
6: M&M's Dark Chocolate to the Rescue.
5: My heroes!
6: M&M's Dark Chocolate Candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold.
1: passed away last year. What a great singer he was. He had that, uh, lean on me. <laughs> and this was, uh, keep on using me till you use me up. We don't get songs like that very often. Uh, going out of the show today, we've got a song. We always close with a song. Those of you that are here, you know that. And we play in, in the most part songs that uh, were big hits, but you don't hear a lot of them. You're going to hear one kiss from a rose. That's a closing song today. So I want you to stay with us for the rest of the show. Not for the song, (laughs) but just letting you know that it's coming up at the end of the show. This thing that our vice president did, I don't know what she was thinking. I don't know if she was thinking at all when she said it. But you remember, she starts talking about the Florida, Hurricane Ivan, and what's supposed to happen and what should happen. And what she is the Vice President of the United States and her boss, Joe Biden, are going to do about paying for all of the stuff that these citizens across that part of Florida don't have the money to pay. And we find out that a lot of them, very few of them, have enough insurance to cover that devastation. And when they start talking about taking care of whoever has been hit by that, when it comes time, who should be? at the front of the line. And one would think, I mean, I I would think, that it really doesn't matter who's at the front of the line. Everybody that got blasted in the storm, I don't care what their zip code is, I don't care how big their house is, I don't care about any other thing. Everybody,
2: (coughs) excuse me, should be at the front of the line. It looks like another gaffe. It's certainly a controversy. Vice President Harris spoke about the effects of climate change on people of color and how to distribute aid after hurricane damage in Puerto Rico and Florida. She said resources should be given based on, quote, equity. What exactly does that mean when it comes to allocating hurricane assistance? You get help depending on the color of your skin, surely not. Social media jumped on it, though. Elon Musk tweeted this should be according to greatest need not race or anything else and quote well said elon harris has a habit of using word salad kind of language you listen and you feel like you're in a sociology class lots of left wing jargon designed to cover the real message fox news digital caught up with harris and asked her explain please the equity comment she would not answer she would not clarify. I suspect this administration would hand out assistance based on race, but Kamala Harris can't say that in plain English because there's an election in five weeks and most voters surely do not want any racial preference in helping hurricane victims, surely. I honestly think that the questions
1: were fed to her handlers before this event happened. It was a sit down. And so usually those are planned out and maybe not the exact questions, but the, the context in which the questions are going to be asked often, especially when it's a president or the VP, they get that in advance. And so in the back of Harris's mind, even though she's not African-American, her mother's Indian, India, and her father is Jamaican, she still has the people of color thing the race card that she has to play all the time. Well, she, um, she obviously pointed out that there is inequity. And because there's inequity that people find themselves in situations that they're not responsible for, they're just caught up in circumstances, and that when something like a storm happens, people of color typically – don't have the same starting point as do people that or light-skinned. And I'll probably get blasted for saying that, but that's actually what the belief is. There is no guarantee in our founding documents, never been even discussed by any of our leaders, our founders, when they were crafting all our laws and the structure of the Constitution that we all live with. Equity never mentioned. Why? Because equity has to be, it has to be determined. And who determines and based on what? It'll never happen in an equal way. What our Constitution does for anybody that's here and comes here legally, anybody and everybody has the opportunity, equal opportunity, Equal opportunity to improve from where you start. That's the fundamental premise. And don't tell me people of color can't do it. That's a a conversation we've had here. We've had experts from both sides of of the race in real color and also in political perspective. We've had people on here argue both sides ad nauseum. But the only thing that really matters is what the law says. Now, something happened shortly after the VP did her thing on television, and it came from a source that's just really not very um, conservative in their production, Saturday Night Live. (laughs) And they did a satirical uh, put-together Q&A of Kamala Harris's answers in that, get together that you just heard and the first part of each of these will be what the vice president says followed quickly by saturday night lights depict uh, saturday night lives depictions of harris and what she said and their perspective remember it's satire
4: my fellow americans Words have many meanings, and sometimes instead of conveying our meaning, they can suggest other meanings.
2: When we talk about the children of the community, they are a the children of
4: the community. Well, we are the United States of America because we are united. And we are states.
2: I'm talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time.
4: Whatever we have in store cannot be known. The past was once the future. The future is, I should say, unknown. We gotta take this stuff seriously, as seriously as you are, because you have been forced to have to take it seriously. Obesity is a serious disease, and it needs to be taken seriously. You need to
2: get to go, and need to be able to get where you need to go to do the work, and get
4: home. I hope that clarifies the issue, and this can be the last word on those words.
2: Certain issues are just settled.
4: Clearly we're not.
2: No, that's right, and that's why I do believe that we are living. Sadly, in um, real unsettled times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: I got to tell you, those were pretty cool. And uh, the shocking thing for me was, you know, Saturday Night Live, they very seldom have anything good to show about any political conservative. And they very seldom, on the other side of it, they very seldom have anything bad to say or even comic like that was about someone that's a democrat after all we do know the mainstream media is an arm formally of the democrat party let's move on when we were talking about gas and gas prices just a little bit ago there was something that i needed to say and we ran out of time and i didn't get it to say and it's about the gas prices they hit a record high Yesterday in Los Angeles County, six dollars and forty-seven cents a gallon, soaring past that previous record set during our nationwide price surge back in the spring. The average price of a gallon of self-serve regular gas in Los Angeles County rose seven-tenths of a cent. The average price is up 31 consecutive days, increasing a buck 22, including one cent on Sunday. 15.3% uh, cents last week the largest daily increase since the record 19 point cent hike on October 5th of 2012 That's according to figures from AAA so we're in a streak and it's not a good one it's a streak of increases in gas prices follows a run of 78 decreases in 80 days totaling a buck 21 that began June 15th One day after the average price rose to a record $6.46. Gas prices have risen in California over the past several weeks, in spite of a gradual decline across the nation due to several unique factors. And we need to point this out to be fair, including problems at local refineries in California. The residents in California already paid the highest gas prices in the nation. And it's because of environmental regulations and taxes there that we don't experience in other states. But the limited number of refineries, thanks to uh, those same governor government regulations, means that when some are down for maintenance, whether scheduled or unscheduled, the state cannot easily replace the missing supply. And it's all about prices, not on just gasoline, but on everything or about supply and demand. Governor Gavin Newsom recently announced gas stations would be allowed to sell a cheaper winter blend, winter blend, which produces more of the emissions the state wants to restrict several weeks ahead of schedule. Just know this, when you're talking about California and you're talking about anything that's being done by the government, it is always determined, whatever the outcome is going to be, It's always determined what's the political perspective and is it something that we can make progress on moving forward with our quest to maintain control of the House and the Senate. That's the starting point for everything. And you know, we don't hear anything about this. We hear hardly anything, specifics, about any illegal alien that comes to the United States and they get caught up in some crime. Sometimes we do, but there are so many cases that are missed for a multitude of reasons. Mainstream media is one of those. Even reporting from the agencies in our government that are charged with processing and handling these kind of things, unless somebody there happens to slip it out, we don't hear about it. But when it came out yesterday, and the reason it came out yesterday and it is important, they're all important, but this one especially, a man charged with a child sex crime in New Mexico is an Afghan evacuee who came to the U.S. last year through the Biden's evacuation from Afghanistan. The U.S. Attorney's Office out in New Mexico announced that Shah Mahmoud Selab had made an initial appearance in federal court on a charge of coercion and enticement of a minor but didn't identify him as an Afghan refugee. I wonder why. U.S. Attorney's Office in New Mexico. Salib is alleged to have approached a 12-year-old boy at a park near school in Las Cruces. He is said to have asked him personal questions before using his cell phone to show the victim photos and videos that were sexual in nature, and then inappropriately touching the youngster. When the boy moved away, Salib is accused of punching him in the face multiple times. In the complaint, the boy attempted to call 911, retreated into a restroom stall, but was followed by Salib, who then kissed the boy, put $20 into his hand, and attempted to force the victim to touch him. Thankfully, The boy ultimately escaped when another person arrived at the restroom. If convicted, Salib faces a minimum of 10 years and up to life in prison. It was learned this week, when released by the government, when released by the court, Fox News Digital found it and released it, that Salib was paroled into the U.S. in November of 2021. The office of Representative Yvette Harrell is a Republican in New Mexico, later confirmed that he was paroled and that law enforcement had verified he was an Afghan national who was paroled in through Operation Allies' welcome. This is a terrible crime enabled by the complete lack of vetting and transparency in the wake of Joe Biden's Afghanistan retreat. Harold said in a statement, our government should be protecting the families of New Mexico not importing twisted individuals who prey on children. That is why last year I pushed, she said, through vetting of migrants that the Biden administration have brought to our communities and why I continue to fight for their accountability. On Friday, ICE told us, that's the Immigration and Customs Enforcement, said Saleh was paroled in the U.S. November 2021 at Philadelphia International Airport, ICE has now lodged a detainer on him, who the agency confirmed was a 35-year-old Afghan national. After his arrest, now a detainer would say, "Whatever happens in the way of his sentence, if I'm assuming he'll be sentenced and char- charged and found guilty and sentenced, if that happens, the whole that ICE says this time, when he finishes his sentence, whatever it's going to be in New Mexico." Whenever that happens, even if part of it is uh, paroled or whatever, when he is released, he is supposed to be picked up by ICE and deported. Now, a huge part of this during the Biden administration is that when they're released, local law enforcement are supposed to make that phone call to ICE. For political reasons, those phone calls often do not happen, and in those cases, these criminals just walk away. They just walk away. At the top of the show, we were talking about problems in the Department of Justice. You heard Congressman Jim Jordan just get into it, about what we are doing as an American people and as our government, sending more money, millions of dollars, to the Department of Justice when they're not allowing themselves to be held accountable for any of their actions now, many of which are illegal. But just imagine, how do you handle that? If, if the law enforcement people, the ones that come after you, the ones that have the authority and the power to come after you for whatever reason they want to, it may not stick eventually. But I've said this before, let me remind you, if you get in a tiff with the federal government, oh my gosh, you're never going to win the case. Very seldom do you. But the reason is not because of evidence, but because of the cost of federal litigation that you sustain against them. They have an open checkbook. They have access to get the leading experts to testify. They have access to get investigators to go get all kinds of evidence. And legally, they're supposed to turn it over, to the defense, but often we know that doesn't happen if it doesn't fit their story that they're trying to use to get this thing handled. Don't get in a fight with the federal government. And if and when you do, just swallow real haul to make some phone calls. The next story I'm going to tell you about is going to roast you. The American Medical Association, the AMA, sent Attorney General Merrick Garland a letter on Monday calling on him to investigate the organizations, the individuals, and the entities coordinating, provoking, and carrying out bomb threats and threats of personal violence against children's hospitals and physicians across the U.S. Now, let me ask you this. How many of these events have been reported to have happened? Let me repeat what he's asking for, Attorney General Merrick Garland. The AMA, Medical American Medical Association, contacted him, and they're calling on him to investigate organizations, individuals, and entities coordinating, provoking, and carrying out bomb threats and threats of personal violence against children's hospitals and physicians across the U.S. How many of those did you see reports on last week or the previous week or the previous month? I haven't heard of a single one. The attacks are rooted in an intentional campaign of disinformation where a few high-profile users on social media share false and misleading information, targeting individual physicians and in hospitals, resulting in a rapid escalation of threats, harassment, and disruption of care across multiple jurisdictions. This is in the letter sent to Merrick Garland, asking him to start looking for, and that would mean the FBI, and when they get when they're given from the American Medical Association a tip on one of these alleged incidents that I read to you that I have not seen or heard of any at all happening, then the FBI can just go do their thing. Our organizations have called on technology companies to do more to prevent this practice on digital platforms, and we now urge your office to take swift action to investigate and prosecute all organizations. Every individual and every entity that's responsible. And then they just went further. They sent a letter to TikTok, Twitter, and Meta, which is the parent company of Facebook and Instagram, and they're calling on those entities to use safety and hateful conduct policies to prevent coordinated campaigns of disinformation. Multiple media outlets reported that hospitals across the country promoted gender transitions to minors, including ones at Vanderbilt University, the University of Virginia, and the University of Wisconsin. Hospitals responded. How? Taking down videos and websites discussing transitions for children. Dan Crenshaw, a Republican representative, he said that the American Medical Association has lost all credibility. Republican Rep. Dan Bishop of Georgia vowed to look into the letter which he compared to one sent by the National School Board Association to Garland in 2021. You know that letter. That's the one that started the firestorm because some parents were going to um, parent meetings. People on the uh, school boards in their various counties and cities getting upset because... These school boards are allowing all kinds of things to be taught and presented to their children, which are total lies or inappropriate for their children. And so they decided they were going to weaponize their ties to Merrick Garland and the Attorney General and the Department of Justice and FBI. You got to go investigate these parents and protect these people on the school boards. I look forward to investigating if the American Medical Association is a cutout for political op by the White House, as the National School Board said. This is Dan Bishop talking. Any threat tags to be sent up by FBI? The letter from that school board, they got a really big backlash about it, prompting multiple state school board associations to even withdraw from this one, the National School Board Association. This kind of stuff is happening every day. Let me ask you this. Do you feel like this is critical to your life? <laughs> I mean, come on now. It, it, any violence is a critical thing to, to talk about and get right. But the weaponization of any entity in the government or any law enforcement entity anywhere to weaponize them for political purposes against anybody or anything, it's unconscionable. It's not the United States of America. And by the way, it's illegal. There's nowhere in the Constitution that authorizes that to happen. But yet, this is Mayor Garland. Do you realize how close he came to be being on the U.S. Supreme Court? Barack Obama nominated him at the end of Obama's term ran out of time he didn't even get to appear before the Senate Judiciary Committee for a vetting process but you can bet he probably would have ended up on the Supreme Court can you imagine he's the one that's instigating all of this stuff or at least he's the he's the ploy that the evil polit- politicians in these bureaus are using to implement their leftist measures against parents and ultimately teachers. This is it's unconscionable to me. And 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 folks, it's it's not just there. Listen to this. This popped up overnight. I was up at two o'clock this morning. Not because I wanted to be, but I was up at two o'clock this morning, and I always go sit down. And at my computer and take a look-see, this popped up from Epoch News. Hundreds of thousands of Americans sought medical care after getting a COVID-19 vaccine. Now, this is according, believe it or not, to the CDC, data that was released yesterday. Now, listen to the data details that the CDC finally reported on. Some 782,900 people reported seeking medical attention, emergency room care, and or hospitalization following COVID-19 vaccination. Another 2.5 million reported needing to miss school, miss work, or other normal activities as a result of a health event after getting a COVID-19 vaccine. The reports were made to the CDC's V, as in Victor, the V-Safe program, which is a new vaccine safety monitoring system which users can report issues through smartphones. Now, they already had the adverse reaction event page that's been there for, I guess, since 19, uh, since twenty twenty one. No, in 99, actually back in 90, 92, 82. I'm sorry, I'll get it straight. I'm missing decades there, But the adverse report system has been in place for doctors to report these adverse evi- uh, events on any inj- indoctrination, in, <laughs> injection they get, any vaccine where there is an adverse reaction. But the CDC decided to change it to a different format. About 10 million people utilized vSafe during the period of time the data covers, which is December 14th of 2020 to July 31st of this year. About a quarter of a million Americans received at least one vaccine doses through that time. The vSafe users reported, listen to this, 71 million symptoms. The most common reported symptoms, chills. From 3.5 million, swelling to 3.6 million, joint pain, 4 million, muscle or body ache, 7.8 million, headache, 9.7 million, fatigue, 12.7 million, and general pain, 19.5 million. About 4.2 million of the symptoms were severe. Users of VSafe, now this is customer, that would be you and me. You can access it on the CDC website. Users of that filled in data for about 13,000 infants younger than 2, reporting over 33,000 symptoms, including pain, loss of appetite, and irritability. The data produced so far by the CDC does not include free text responses. Now, that's according to ICANN. That's the entity that oversees the Internet. The data covered fields where users checked boxes. ICANN said that the newly revealed data reveals shocking information that should have caused the CDC to immediately shut down its COVID-19 vaccine program, citing the percentage of people who reported needing to get care or missing school or work or other normal activities, as well as those reported adverse events that we weekly told you about. Now, of course, the CDC hasn't responded yet. Their researchers had presented summaries of the V-safe data during meetings with the agency's vaccine advisory panel, but they'd never released the data for outside researchers to analyze I wonder why. I wonder why. Why wouldn't the CDC be totally transparent with all of this? They haven't been transparent about anything. Why do you think that is? You want my opinion? This is just an opinion, and we all know what opinions are worth most of the time. So I'll give you my opinion, put it in your pocket, think about it, flush it, whatever you want to do. But my opinion is the reason the CDC is not, is never transparent, it's because of follow the money. Follow the money. What do you mean, Dan? All the doctors that are affiliated with the different branches of the CDC. You know, NIH, National Institutes of Health, that's another nonprofit, supposedly, that you and I own, and that's the one that Dr. Anthony Fauci works under. All of the doctors that are affiliated with this, that do the research, that when something happens, they're the ones that are charged to go back and tell us why it happened. All of those people, They don't just get a regular paycheck. When they do these researches, they put these groups to research in, sometimes hundreds of people. We pay for all of that. But when part of their research that they're involved in results in them getting in the medication business and they actually invent a medication that can be um, copyrighted, guess what? They get that money. Now, why would anybody give them money for just coming up with a new medicine? You that, you know that. Oh my gosh, none of the pharmacy companies own there. They have investigation and investigators and researchers to a certain point. But none of that in the commercial market is worth anything unless and until what happens. The FDA approves it. So you've got all these doctors that They know that if their drug gets approved by the FDA and then the pharmacy companies are going to come to them with a blank check and want to write them a check. And of course, here we go. All these vaccines, all the researchers involved, including Dr. Anthony Fauci, by the way, they all get their names on the copyright of these drugs that Moderna and Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson came up with. And when I say there's big money in it, oh my gosh, you can't imagine the tens, the hundreds of millions of dollars that are involved in this. And every few weeks, a little more news comes out. But just like this one, this is news that we should have heard beginning two weeks after they started issuing the first COVID-19 vaccination. And if it had happened, the American people would have been screaming to the heavens. Don't put this medicine in my baby's arms and certainly not in mine. It's not vetted. There's too much that happens after the fact that you guys didn't tell us about. We're hacked off that you didn't tell us about it, but quit doing it. Stop doing it. That never happened. There's only one reason why that would never happen. Money. Absolutely. Money. Follow the money. I don't want to get away today without telling you about Gun Owners of America. They secured a permanent injunction against the mayor of Philadelphia regarding executive gun controls. Kinney's gun controls were reported on September 27th noting they barred even licensed concealed carriers from carrying guns to public pools, parks, and recreational centers. On the same day, the governor put forward his gun control, pointed out that Kinney's controls would face an uphill battle, legally speaking. The uphill battle was predicated on the fact that Pennsylvania has a preemption statute, which bars cities and municipalities from passing gun controls That exceed those that exist at the state level. That makes sense. The Enquirer noted courts have cited preemption while consistently striking down attempts by cities, including Philly, to ban assault-style weapons, limit handgun purchases, prohibit guns in parks, and at recreation centers. Government, big government, trying to be a bigger government. It's not just at the federal level; it trickles down to the state even local municipalities, even into law enforcement agencies. Hey, guys, we had a great day today. Thank you so much. If you missed Steve Baker and his report, it'll be up on our site in about 30 minutes at TNN Live. See you tomorrow.
7: There used to be a gray and tower alone on the sea You became the light on the dark side of me Glass, the high, and not the pill. But did you know that when it snows, my eyes become large, and
4: the light
7: that you shine can't be seen, baby. I can bring you to a kiss from a rose on. Oh, i no.